We're going to continue on today uh, through the Eyewitness series. We just started last week, the introduction. Uh, but the first uh, character, the first disciple that we're going to look at is Peter, uh, Mr. Peter. Uh, that's what we're going to call him today. Just kidding. Um, but I'm excited. Uh, I love being able to study this last week uh, for this. Um, it's insane, though, uh, how much uh, scripture and references there are to Peter. How many uh, stories and uh, writing? It's just crazy, and there's so much. And so I was like, okay, how do I break this down and you know, uh, give it to you guys in a way that we can all understand? Uh, and I wasn't able to do that in one message, so this is part one of two messages. All right, uh, but we're gonna just look on the character of of Peter, who he was, what he did, what he was like, and uh, there's a lot. And so we're gonna we're just gonna get started. We're gonna pray. And uh, we're going to ask the Lord to uh, teach us. God, we thank you for this time that we can look in your word. God, you've obviously uh, displayed Peter in a way uh, that we are to learn from him in in a variety of ways. God, we pray as we just uh, take a deeper, in-depth investigation of this man, Peter, that you chose, that you called, that you, uh, Lord, shook the very foundations of this world by. God, would you uh, encourage us today? Would you challenge us? Would you, uh, Lord, help us to grow into the men and women uh, that you're calling us to be? In Jesus' name, amen. All right, cool. Um, So today, uh, I hope you guys are taking notes because you're going to definitely need to. Um, But we're going to have three different sections today on this first part on Peter, okay? We're going to look at, number one, the person of Peter, So kind of his background, family history, as much as we know from the scriptures. Uh, So we're going to look at the person of Peter. We're going to look at the call of Peter, meaning that time when Jesus called him initially uh, to follow him. We're going to take an in-depth look at that. And then we're going to close it out with looking at the failures of Peter. Uh, But we're not going to end with that in the sense that we'll start next week uh, and we'll talk about his restoration and transformation and all that good stuff. So uh, but let's start with the person of Peter. If you guys are taking notes, you can just put it at the top of your page, uh, the person of Peter. And we're going to look at six different things about Peter, about just his, his person, who he is, and all those different types of things. Uh, typically, what, do you, what is the first thing you do uh, when you go up and you meet someone? Ask their name, right? You get their name. That's one of the first things. And so uh, the first thing that we're going to look at this morning is Peter's name. Uh, Peter's name. Who knows uh, what name his, uh, his parents gave him when he was born? Isaac. Simon. Boom. Oh, that was horrible. It, it, was, it caught some wind. Uh, Simon. Now, does anyone know when or why Peter came along? Why do we call him Peter if his name was Simon? Yeah. Jesus changed it. Yeah, we'll look at that. Uh, but Simon was the name his mom and dad gave him. It basically means hearing or listening. A lot of names back then, uh, mostly all of them, had some kind of meaning uh, to them. I think this one's funny because when we look at Peter, he seems to do a lot more talking than he does listening, right? But yet Simon means uh, hearing or listening. It was a very common name in that time for people to have. Uh, What are some common names now that people have? John, definitely. What else? Yeah. Joel, yeah, because uh, we both have that name. Yeah, it's actually not that common, I feel like, Um, but totally. But back then, Simon was a very common name. Um, Sometimes you'll see in the Bible, it it pronounced Simeon. Uh, It's just just a different version of the name Simon. But 
Uh, John chapter 1, verse 42, is this instance where we see Jesus actually changing Peter's name. The wild thing is, is that this was the first introduction uh, to Jesus meeting Peter and Peter meeting Jesus. And it says this, John chapter 1, verse 42, that, uh, and he, referencing Andrew, Peter's brother, Andrew brought him to Jesus. And now when Jesus looked at him, uh, he said, you are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas. And you're like, what's Cephas? Uh, Cephas is just another name for Peter. Um, so whenever you see Cephas in the Bible, you could just insert Peter and it's the same thing. It's just uh, like in a different language. You know how like my name's Joel, but then if I go to Mexico, my name is Joel. You understand? So it's just same name, but just a different, different way of saying it. Um, and he says, which is translated a stone. I mean, think how crazy this is. Sometimes we could just read past this, but the first introduction to Peter meeting Jesus, before even any words are said, Jesus says, you are Simon, the son of Jonah, and uh, we're changing your name. I mean, imagine that. Imagine someone coming up to you and saying, uh, saying what your name is. You are Joel Pickett, and uh, your name is now Charles. And you're like, what? I don't even understand. That's crazy. Uh, but Jesus is God, so he can kind of do what he wants. But this is not the first time in the Bible uh, that God uh, impacted someone's life by changing their name. Can anyone think of any other circumstances within the Bible uh, of, of a name change. Yeah. Saul turning into Paul. Boom. There you go. Um, perfect. Uh, what else? Yeah. Abraham turning into Ab- Abram. Totally. Isaac, you already, you already answered. Someone else. What else? Any others? Yeah. Dang, that's a far one. Woo. All right. At least you didn't hit anyone. That's good. All right. There's one more that I'm thinking of. Yeah. Jacob, okay, that was his first name. What did God change it to? Think about the nation of Israel, right? It was Jacob to Israel. And so uh, this is not the first time God has done this, but there's always a purpose behind it. Jesus wasn't just like, I don't like the way Simon sounds. We're going to start calling you Peter because it just rolls off the tongue better. No, there's a purpose behind it. And what was the purpose? Well, the purpose comes in the meaning. The purpose comes in the meaning. Peter uh, means a stone or pebble. And you're like, wow, thanks, Jesus. You changed my name to pebble. Uh, But what was the purpose of this? Well, we'll look at it in a second. But this word pebble, it's, it's a, it's, uh, means a fragment of a rock, meaning that there is a mass rock and now there is a pebble or a stone that is part of that bigger rock. Uh, it's a small part of a bigger rock. And you're like, okay, I'm still not really understanding. We'll turn to Matthew chapter 16. Remember, you got to have your fingers ready. Matthew chapter 16, quick. I'll turn there with you. I want you guys to see this. You can write, it, write the reference down on your notes and turn there, Matthew chapter 16. We get a little bit better insight and understanding of uh, Jesus's initial name name change uh, with Peter. I really do wonder what Peter thought in the moment, though. Matthew chapter 16. When you guys are there, say word. 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 Okay, Matthew chapter 16, we'll start in verse 13. It says this, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, it was a city, 
uh, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? He's saying, who do people say that I am? And so they said, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But then Jesus says to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter seems to speak up quite a bit for the rest. He answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And verse 17, Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, notice what he calls him, Simon Bar-Jonah, which means son of Jonah. Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are, notice what he calls him now, you are Peter, you are a stone, you are a pebble. And on this rock, I will build my church in the gates of Hades, shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And you're like, okay, I'm still not gauging him. You see, you see the rock that Jesus is talking about is not Peter. Peter is just a pebble. But the rock that he's talking about is the claim that Peter makes, that Jesus, Jesus is the foundation that he is the Messiah, the Christ. You see, that is the foundation on which we, the church, uh, are built upon. But you see, Peter, he was a pebble. He was a stone. He was a small part in the bigger rock, which is Jesus. And you see, he is simply a stone. He is simply a part of it. Some people take this as, uh, now this is why um, Catholics take Peter as, now he's the Pope. He's the, he's the person that represents because Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 16. But what Jesus was saying is that you are a small part in the bigger picture. And no doubt, Peter seemed to have the largest part, though, among the 12 that influenced the early church. But you have to remember, he was simply a piece, a stone, a pebble. And Peter says that you and I, we also play a role, though. Check out 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. It'll be on the screens. He says, you also, speaking to believers, as living stones, that's you and me, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We are all a part. We are all, in a sense, a spiritual stone or pebble, a part of the bigger picture, which is Jesus Christ. And you're like, okay, I, I think I'm understanding now. See, it's awesome to note that before Peter did anything for the kingdom. The very first interaction, Jesus didn't see what Peter was, but what he would make Peter become. He saw that in him, and so he changes his name. You see, in Peter's current state, it was honestly a little rough on the edges, but you see, Jesus saw the great work that he would do in him, that he was going to be a big part in the bigger picture. And right away, Jesus renamed him knowing what he would become. And Jesus does this with you and me. Now, he might not rename us, uh, but he does reclaim us in a sense. He, he doesn't look at us now what we are and says, oh man, I don't think I could do anything, but he sees us as we are, but sees what we will become, sees what he's going to do uh, in and through us. Does that make sense? So Peter, even, the, even just starting with the simple name Peter, there is profound implications in that and uh, Jesus saw that from the very beginning. So that's Peter's name. Uh, next, Peter's home, the second thing, Peter's home. Uh, Peter's hometown was a place called Bethsaida. Everyone say Bethsaida. 
It's kind of a hard one to say. Uh, spell it the best you can if you're taking notes. Um, but it's, it's in the region of Galilee. Do you guys know where the region of Galilee is? It's in the northern part of Israel. It's around the Sea of Galilee, right? And so Bethsaida was a surrounding city. It was where uh, Peter grew up. It was cool. I, when I was, was in Israel for a while, I got to go there, and uh, it's all ruins now, and there's not much left of it, but they, they think this is about where the city is. Um, but Peter didn't spend all of his time there. Uh, we don't know when, but he eventually moved to a place called Capernaum. Everyone say Capernaum. This was where he moved, and that was right on the Sea of Galilee. Capernaum was a city located right on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. He moved there, uh, and he had a house there, what we know from the scriptures. He had a home there and a fishing business uh, with his brother Andrew. And Peter and Andrew, they were good friends with James and John, which we know as the other disciples. And they had this partnership. They had some kind of business uh, and partnership going on with uh, James and John and their family. And so this is what we know about Peter's home. Uh, thirdly, uh, Peter's family. Uh, we do know a few, thing, few things about Peter's family. Not much, but we do know this, that Peter was married. Did you guys know that? Peter was married. When Jesus called him, he was married. When Jesus sent him out, he was married. Uh, Matthew chapter 8, verse 14 through 15. This is at his house in Capernaum. And it says this, that we seem to see from scriptures that that Jesus actually stayed at Peter's house a few different times. And uh, verse 14 in Matthew chapter 8, he says, Now when Jesus has come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother lying sick with a fever. And so he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she arose, and she served them. Now, I don't know about you guys, but when I think of Peter, I don't think about him having a wife. But he totally did. And we get a little bit even more information in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, verse 5. We get a little more information from Paul. He references uh, Peter. Remember, whenever you see the word Cephas, it's talking about Peter, just like the Hoel Joel thing, okay? Um, and so it says, Paul says, Do we have no right to take along a believing wife, as do the other apostles? For example, he says, the brothers of the Lord and Cephas or Peter. And so it seems that Peter's wife actually came on some of his journeys up and down Israel uh, preaching the gospel. That it's not, it doesn't seem that she, you know, she left him. It seems that she was, she was there uh, with him at certain times. But we don't think of that. But it's kind of just interesting to note. Um, another thing we know about Peter's family is his dad's name was Jonah uh, or, or John. You see, Jonah, I'm not sure if you guys know, but it's a Hebrew, uh, the word Jonah is Hebrew, uh, but it, in Greek, the word is John. That's where we get John from. And so if your name is Jonah, then in Greek, your name is John. And if your name is John in, in Hebrew, your name is Jonah. Does that make sense? Um, and so we know that was his dad's name. There's a, a lot of tradition surrounding Peter and his family and, and what it was all like. Uh, history, uh, different historical documents outside of the Bible say that he had children, uh, which would make sense because he was married. Uh, other than that, we don't know much. Uh, some people say that uh, when his, his wife was actually martyred because of her faith, and he was there to watch that. So kind of crazy, some interesting things to note as well. Fourthly, uh, Peter's religion. What was, what was Peter's religion? What did he believe in prior to Jesus? Judaism, right? Totally. He was a Jew through and through, that he was raised in, in this Galilee region, uh, and he was a Jew 
through and through, that he followed the law and the Old Testament. We know from the book of Acts that uh, he, he never, before Jesus said it was okay to him, uh, he never ate anything that was against uh, the, the Old Testament law, like eating shellfish and, um, and pig and things like that. Uh, we do know that he was never formally educated or trained, uh, but we do know that he grew up hearing about God. He grew up uh, hearing the scriptures in synagogue and in his house. And uh, these were things that he was familiar with, and not only familiar with, but was something he was concrete in his life. That this was something that he was uh, known as, that he took ownership of. And so that was Peter's religion. Uh, fifthly, Peter's occupation. What was he? Fisherman, right? Uh, he was a fisherman. This was his livelihood. It wasn't like, you know how you and I, you know, we might go fishing on the side and Thomas likes to go fishing. Uh, that's something that's typically that we do on the side. Now you might know a professional fisherman, uh, but back then uh, this was a more definitely common thing, uh, but he was a hard worker. This was his life. To be in this type of trade, uh, you had to be a hard worker. You had to be an early riser and a late night worker. And Peter was a man's man. We could see that from scripture clearly, uh, that he was, he was a little rough, and, but he was always ready. And no doubt, I think in Peter's mind, I think fishing is what he thought he would do for the rest of his life. That with his partnership with James and John and Andrew helping them, they had, they had this business. We know uh, I, it was awesome when I was in Israel as well. I got to see this sign and it was in Jerusalem, so the southern part of Israel. Um, and it was a sign that they dug up of this place. And it said uh, Zebedee's, basically in, in Hebrew, it said Zebedee's fish. And you're like, okay, I don't understand. James and John's dad was named Zebedee. And that was uh, who, who Peter partnered with. And so we can, we can see from these different uh, discoveries that what Peter was doing in the Sea of Galilee, catching fish, it was going and supplying fish to the rest of Israel pretty crazy. Um, yet little did we know, though, that Peter would soon be moving from fishing for fish to fishing for what? People, right? Fishing for men and, and their souls. And so sixth and finally, under the person of Peter, uh, Peter's personality. And oh, Peter's personality is a big one. It's, it's awesome how you could read a book, yet you could almost, you could almost, we, I feel like we almost know Peter, right? It's like his personality jumps off the pages uh, he was loud and proud. He was silent at times when he should have spoke up. He spoke up at times. He probably should have been silent. It seems that Peter more or less became the spokesman for the 12. He became the one that's up in front, uh, willing to ask the questions uh, when he was kind of confused at what Jesus was saying. Uh, Peter became that. But Peter was an authentic Galilean. You're like, what are you talking about? Remember, he's from the, the region of Galilee, and people from the Galilee region uh, kind of had a rap about them. They had a, not like a literal like rap, uh, nothing like that, but uh, a rap in the sense of a reputation. What was their reputation? Uh, well, the, their reputation was definitely, they had an independence and an energy about them. Uh, they seemed to be a bit more frank and uh, blunt. Uh, the simple type of people uh, was definitely what they were known for. And and Peter seems to be a true Galilean, seems to be blunt. Uh, they were even known to be a little, little more harsh than maybe other people in Israel. That even their, They even had their own kind of dialect. What I mean by dialect, uh, their own kind of like accent. 
Have you guys ever heard someone from like the South? <laughs> okay, there you go. And you can just tell right away, like you're almost looking at them and then they start speaking and you're like, oh yeah, you're not from California. No way, right? Uh, that would have been Peter in any other region in Israel. And that's why we see uh, when he's down in Jerusalem, when uh, Jesus is being judged by uh, Caiaphas and the high priest and he's taken from the garden, right? And then Peter's following at a distance. We'll look at that in a little while. But then that, that person says uh, to him, man, you even sound like a Galilean. Like you're, you're totally following him. How do they know? Well, Peter seemed to have some type of accent, some type of mark to know where he was from. And so Peter, we're often so like him. And I, and I love looking at these different things because what do we get out of it? Peter's normal. He's like you and me, that he has a background. He has a history. He was an actual person. And sometimes Peter's a little rough around the edges, but he is a work in progress. Everyone write that down. Peter was a work in progress. And you and I, we are works in progress. We are not finished yet. Sometimes we speak when we shouldn't. Sometimes we stay quiet when we should speak up. Yeah, I love how Jesus, he doesn't come in and try to change who Peter is in the sense of his personality, but he, he wants to come in and he changes Peter, uh, his, his heart, his insides, and he doesn't, it's not that when we come to Jesus, he's like, okay, we got to remove everything that you are, and I'm going to replace it with something new. Now, he does do something new in us, and we're, we're new people in Christ, but who he made us are, in a sense, our personalities. Now, sometimes they change and ebb and flow, but I believe God does something with us. If you're maybe more of the quiet type, uh, you know, maybe, maybe God will encourage you to get outside of that for sure, uh, definitely. And sometimes the more bold type, uh, God's able to use that. And I think for Peter, we can see that. We see in the book of Acts that this loud, kind of rambunctious, blunt, simple kind of guy, God was able to use who he was for his glory. And God will be able to use you uh, for who you are. Now, he's going to be refining and changing and make, making your personality what it really should be. And yes, it's going to be uncomfortable at times, but uh, I love that God uh, uses us for who he made us to be. And as we look at the person of Peter, that's a lot of stuff. But as we look at the person of Peter, we can be encouraged that we can take encouragement in the fact that Peter was this run-of-the-mill, normal guy. He was living a normal life, but God intervened, that Jesus met him, and he called him out of this life of normalcy into a life of kingdom building. And he did amazing things through him, and he used his background. He used his occupation. He used his personality to have a huge influence on building his church. And we can take courage that as we look at his life, that we can ask God to use us too. And it's awesome. And so we can take encouragement in that. And so that's the person of Peter. Uh, but now let's take a look at the call of Peter. You guys can turn to uh, John chapter one. John chapter one. If you guys are still in Matthew, just turn over a couple books. And we're gonna look at the call of Peter. You guys with me? You guys alive? Is a heartbeat? Okay. Any questions so far about the person of Peter, Peter's background? You guys good? All right. So now John chapter one, we're going to look at uh, the introduction to Jesus and Peter. We read that verse a little earlier, but I want to take a little 
uh, expand that a little bit for you guys to be able to see. Now, within the call of Peter, uh, there's kind of three different scenes, if you will, scenes that we see uh, through, the, through this initial call on Peter's life. We're going to see first the introduction in John chapter 1. Then we're going to see uh, the, the actual the call of Jesus, him saying, okay, follow me. But then we'll see something else that uh, popped out to me uh, within the pages of Scripture, and we'll see uh, the second time that, that Jesus kind of bids him to follow. And so John chapter 1, are you guys there? Say word. Okay. Verse 35, I should probably turn there too. <laughs> John chapter 1, verse 35. He says, again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples. This is John the Baptist. Had two, two of these people following him. Verse 36, and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and then they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and seeing them, these two disciples following, to them, he said to them, what do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi, which is to say, when, when translated, teacher, where are you staying? In verse 39, he said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now was about the 10th hour. And so we see these two guys. Uh, we're going to find out one of them in a second. But these two guys who were following John the Baptist and the things that he was doing. But then John the Baptist points to Jesus as, oh my gosh, this, this is the Lamb of God. And so these two disciples start to follow Jesus. And they stay with him for a while. But then verse 40 says, One of the two who heard John the Baptist speak followed him and followed him, Jesus, uh, was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And so one of these two disciples was Andrew. In verse 41, he first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah. So he finds Peter and says, We found the Christ. We found the Messiah. And then verse 42, it says that he brought him. Andrew brought Peter to Jesus. Now, when Jesus looked at him, this is the verse we read earlier, he said, you are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas or Peter, which is translated a stone. And so we see uh, that, that bigger context. This is, the, this is that introduction. This is that first time that Jesus and Peter officially uh, meet and uh, where Jesus gives him that name change. And so we see this introduction. But this helps us uh, with a foundation and for us to understand the common passage that we know in Mark chapter 1. Now you guys can turn a a couple books over. Mark chapter 1, verses 16 to 18. This is that call of Jesus that we've heard where Jesus says, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. Who's ever heard that? Raise your hand. Okay. Not as much uh, as I I might anticipate. Maybe when we read it, it'll kind of come back to memory. Uh, But as we read this, just mark in your mind that this is not the first time Peter has met Jesus. I know for me, when reading this before, it was always like, oh, Peter, you know, was just fishing and then Jesus comes and uh, it was just kind of this random guy and he said, follow me. And Peter drops everything and follows him, but uh, not exactly so. So look at verse 16, Mark chapter one. You guys there? You guys there? What are you supposed to say? All right. Verse 16, and as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. So they're doing what they were, they knew how, what they were doing what they knew to do. And then verse 17, then Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. And they immediately left their nets 
and follow him. And so the passage in John that we read a second ago helps us kind of understand uh, this whole process. That Jesus was walking by the water and he sees these, uh, Peter and Andrew who he had previously met and he bids them, follow me. And he says that I have a different type of bait for you to start using and I have a different type of catch for you to start catching. But notice what Jesus says. He says, I will make you become fishers of men. So meaning that they were not that yet, and this is something that Jesus would do in them, not something that they would have to do uh, themselves, but that Jesus would do this work in them. And Peter and Andrew's response is that they left their nets there and they followed him. And in my mind, before doing some seriously studying of the gospels, I was like, oh, sweet. All right. So they, they left everything and they followed him and never looked back. Well, in my understanding of scripture, Luke chapter five uh, is a scene that happens after this. And they seem to go back to their fishing a little bit, uh, but Jesus ropes them back in. Luke chapter five, turn with me. Luke chapter five is just one book over. So we saw that, that introduction, we saw the call and now we'll see the forsaking. And that will make more sense in a second. All right, so this one, this is a chunk of scripture for 11 verses. Do you think you guys can hang if we read through it? Yeah? Okay, read along with me in your Bibles. Verse 1, and we're going to go to verse 11, chapter 5. It says, So it was, as the multitude pressed about him, speaking of Jesus, to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. It's another name for the Sea of Galilee. And saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. Verse four, when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the nets. Verse six, and when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. Verse eight, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of the fish which they had taken.
There we go. All right, back at it. Um, Satan can't stop us today, drain the batteries, but uh, we got new ones. So, so Jesus is here at the Sea of Galilee, and people are pressing him, but his disciples, the one that he, that he just called to follow them, are just washing their nets, kind of wrapping up from the, the night's work. And so Jesus then sees a couple boats and says, all right, I'm going to get in one of those. I'm sure Jesus had this whole uh, thing planned, no doubt. Uh, and he goes into one of the boats, and then he, says, he sees Peter far, far off, and he says, Peter, uh, let's, can you take me out just a little bit? And so they get out, Peter comes to the boat, and they, they get out just maybe like 10 feet from shore, and, and Jesus begins to teach. Uh, and once he's done, uh, he says, Peter, let's, uh, let's get out a little further. Let's go to the deep part so that we can, we can do some fishing. And so he gets out there, but the thing that Peter brings up is, Jesus, we've been fishing all night, and the fish ain't biting. Trust me, I know what I'm doing. I'm a fisherman. Fish, fish are not biting. But he says, nevertheless, because you said this, We'll, we'll try once more. And so what happens when they let down the net? So much fish that the one boat can't handle it. And the other boat comes and the other boat is now starting to sink. And I don't know when in this moment, but somewhere here, it clicks for Peter that the light bulb comes on and he gets to his knees before Jesus and he says, depart from me. He says, leave. He says, I I am a sinful man because he realized what he had done. He, he gone back to the nets when he should have been with Jesus. And I love Jesus' response though. He says, do not be afraid. And I love that because I didn't see that at first. I didn't see that in Peter of, of an afraid, a uh, scaredness necessarily, that he was terrified. But Jesus saw his heart and he said, do not be afraid. I've got work to do. You're, you are now gonna become that we're going to go and catch some men. And then it says, and this is the difference, that he didn't just leave, but he forsook, meaning that he was done, and he went to follow the Lord. And it's awesome. And what's the whole, what's the whole point of this? Well, within this call of Peter, we can be challenged. And what's the challenge? The challenge is, will we follow Jesus? When Jesus has called us, uh, for Peter, it took a little bit. It took a little bit of time. The first time wasn't enough that it took a few times for him to follow. But will we continue in our pursuit of Christ or just kind of go back to what we like, go back to what we know, go back to what we're comfortable with, or will we forsake everything and follow the Lord? See, it took a little while for Peter to click. And for some of us, it, it takes a little while. For some of you here, you really haven't forsaken everything to follow Jesus that you've met Jesus, that you've heard his, his, his bid to you to come and follow him, and you've even accepted and said, yep, I want to follow. But some of you are still not following. You've gone back to what is comfortable. You've gone back to what you know. And so the challenge here that we can take is, are we following Jesus for real? Or have we gone back to what we're used to? You see, we are to forsake and we are to follow. You guys can write that down. We are to forsake and we are to follow. And you can't do the following until you do the forsaking. And finally, in Luke chapter 5, it seemed to click with Peter. And so we see Peter's call. So we looked at the person of Peter, the call of Peter. Now we're going to look at uh, this last point, the failures of Peter, the failures. Like, wow, we're going to end on that point? Yep, because we can take encouragement from it. We can learn from it. 
And it's crazy just looking, you know, all over, wanting to find every reference for you guys of, okay, where, where does the Bible talk about Peter? And there were so many, like I was sharing, and so many of them are mistakes. So many of them are failures. And I was thinking about it. I was like, man, imagine if every, like all these different big mistakes that you made over the last few years were recorded in a book that people would read for the next 2,000 years and read your mistakes, preach your mistakes, write books about them, uh, sell, sell sermons about all that kind of stuff on your mistake. It's kind of crazy, but this is what uh, happened with Peter. But why? Why would God put all of these different things in the scriptures? Well, it's so that you and I, we can learn the lesson the easier way. That we can look at what Peter did and be like, okay, I'm not going to do that. And I'm going to do this. And so we don't have to learn it the hard way. But there almost seems to be too many times to count. Uh, but here's some of them for you of Peter's failures. Um, there was a time where uh, Peter actually rebuked Jesus. Do you guys know that? It means that, that he kind of took Jesus aside and he says, Jesus, uh, that's not true, basically. Jesus was saying, uh, you know, I'm going to be going away. They're going to uh, take me. They're going to kill me. And Peter's trying to kind of correct and instruct Jesus, and that's when Jesus says, all right, get behind me, Satan. Uh, and he, <laughs> he calls Peter that. And then there's that time in, uh, in the garden when Peter begins to fall asleep. You guys, you guys remember that, right? And Jesus is about to be given up to uh, the different people that want to kill him. And he says, hey, uh, do you think you could pray with me for a while and just stand over here? Just, just pray. But Peter falls asleep with the rest of the disciples or uh, the time in the garden when uh, Peter gets a little excited and he cuts that guy's ear off. You guys remember that? <laughs> Jesus is like, all right, put your sword away. It's, it's calm down. This is supposed to happen. He always seems to be slow to understand. And Peter, he, there's even a time where Peter tries to keep little kids away from Jesus, that the kids want to come and, you know, sit on Jesus' lap and uh, see him and stuff. And Peter's like, no, no, no kids today. And then he's trying to, like, close up shop. And Jesus is like, oh my gosh, you better let them come see me. There's a time when uh, he argues with the other disciples about who's the greatest. He, uh, he often, not just at that time, but he tries to almost instruct Jesus of what to do. And you're like, man, th and this is the guy that we read about in the book of Acts? This is the guy that was the backbone of the early church? And in a rational, logical viewpoint, at this point within the gospels, it's like, man, Jesus should probably pick another guy. I think he may, may have messed up. And we didn't even mention yet uh, the biggest failure of all, which is that straight up just denial of Jesus. And I want you guys to see that. Luke chapter 22. You guys can turn there. Last passage I'll have you turn to today. Luke chapter 22. Your fingers tired yet? Okay. Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. There really seems to be within, within this story, which uh, for some of us is familiar, uh, there is no doubt a demonic power that is present throughout this whole thing. And how do I know that? Well, Luke chapter 22, look at verse uh, 31. Look at verse 31. It says, Peter and the Lord dialoguing, and it says, And Jesus, or, and the Lord said uh, to Peter, Simon, Simon. Indeed, Satan has asked for you 
that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail, and when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. He says, he says Peter, Satan is asking for you by name. He wants to destroy you. He wants to get you at your lowest. Can you imagine? Imagine, like, not just one of the, the demons of Satan, but Satan himself is asking for you by name. And he says, and you're going to... And you're going to give in. You're going to mess up. It's going to be before the rooster. But take courage because you're going to, this is not going to kill you. You're going to come back from this. And when you come back, encourage and strengthen the other disciples. It's awesome. But it seems to be this, this whole surrounding was no doubt the enemy working. But check out verses 52. Sorry, starting in verse 54. Luke, Luke chapter 22 wants you to see this. It says, having arrested him, they led him and brought him into the high priest's house. But Peter followed at a distance. Now, when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. He sat among the people who were trying to kill Jesus. And verse 56, and a certain girl, uh, seeing him at, as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, this man was also with him. But he denied him saying, woman, I do not know him, verse 58. And after a little while, uh, another saw him and said, you are also of them. But Peter said, man, I am not, second time. Then after about an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed, saying, surely this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. He seems to know. Verse 60, but Peter said, man, I do not know what you are saying. And immediately, while he was still speaking, before Peter even finished the third denial says that the rooster crowed, crowed. And this is a part, verse 61, that you won't see in other gospels. This is, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. He looked at him. They made eye contact. And then in that moment, Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. It all comes flooding back to Peter in that moment. But what, what other kind of, what kind of emotions do you think Peter in that moment that he hears the rooster, he makes eye contact with Jesus from a distance, what kind of emotions and feelings do you think he's going through? Yeah. Grief, for sure. Yeah. Guilt, no doubt. What else? Yeah. Shame. shame. A lot of shame. Have you guys ever experienced any of those things? Have you guys ever messed up like big you guys know what I'm talking? Like, not just like those little things, okay, you're going to be like in trouble for the day. No, it's like, you messed up big. I know I have. And uh, shame and sorrow can be overwhelming at times. The weight of guilt, it can feel like a house is sitting upon your shoulders. It's so heavy. So what do you do with that? Well, what we can learn from Peter, is this the end of Peter's story right here? Do we not see him anymore? Does he go out, weep bitterly, and okay, now he's lost forever in scripture? No. And so what can we take from that? That in the midst of your ginormous mistake, God isn't done with you. Write that down. God isn't done with me. God isn't done with you. Remember, you are a work in progress. And if you come back to Jesus like Peter did, then big failures can turn into big opportunities for growth. That the big mistakes, God can turn around 
and have it as an opportunity for you to grow big time. I'm sure it, would, it seems like Jesus at that point should have just moved on and picked a different guy for the job, but Jesus knows something we don't. He knows G, uh, Peter's heart, that Peter no doubt had a heart that desired and loved God, even in his mess-ups, even in his failures. And all this, we can see all these different failures. God used Peter bigger than any of the other disciples. And I can say that, I think, pretty confidently. That you read the book of Acts, and we'll take a bigger look at it next week together. But he, the impact and the influence that this guy had was unbelievable. Yet he had bigger mess-ups than most of the other disciples, besides Judas, of course. We'll get to him at a later time. And as we look at the mistakes of Peter, we can learn from them. We can, we can see that in the midst of the shame and the guilt and the sorrow, God isn't done. That we are works in progress and we are to keep going. And so, as so we wrap this up, uh, you can come on up, Alex. We saw the person of Peter today, right? That his background is history and we can be encouraged that he was normal. But God called him out of this uh, normalcy into kingdom building. And that's what God's calling you and I to. That you can, God will let you. You can live an absolutely normal life. But God's calling you to something greater. God's calling you to kingdom work. God's calling you to be a fisher of men. And he sees in Peter what wasn't there yet. And he sees in you. He sees the potential. He sees how he wants to use you, the great things that he wants to do through you. And so we also saw the call of Peter and that challenge of, man, are we following Jesus or have we gone back? Have we gone back to what we know and are comfortable with? I hope not. That we are to forsake and to follow because he has a plan for our lives and that plan is usually a lot different than what we ever intended, what we ever thought was possible. And then the failures, that we realize that you and I, we're works in progress. And we're going to mess up. Hopefully it's less and less as we get closer to Jesus. But that in those, God's not done. So next week, we'll look at uh, coming from the failures. We'll look at that restoration that Jesus does in Peter's life. And we'll see that transformation process as the Holy Spirit comes into Peter's life and uh, man, just wrecks him in an awesome way. And then we'll look at some of the words of Peter to us. And so you guys can stand. And as we close, uh, I just want you to look at the screens. I want to share with you guys, uh, before we get into this song of worship, I think some of my favorite words from Peter. So there's one more slide. John chapter 6, verse 66 through 69. This is a time... Uh, after Jesus uh, just preached a message that a lot of people, it was hard for them to swallow. That they, they began to leave one by one because it was, it was too hard for them to understand. It was too hard for them uh, to accept. And it says, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more. You guys can read on the screens. And then Jesus said to the 12, do you also want to go away? So as these uh, people that are following Jesus, not any of the disciples, but these others uh, that were surrounding they begin to leave one by one. And Jesus turns to the 12 and he says, do you guys want to leave as well? And Peter being that loud and boisterous, the first one to speak up sometimes, he says, but, Peter, but Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? So where are we going to go? He says, you have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are Christ, the son of the living God. He says, where else are we going to go? Where are we going to turn to? 
Who else has those words that mean something more than any other words? Jesus does. And so let's take the example of Peter and as we just worship and we, we're gonna, the, the song that we're gonna sing is called Thank You. Um, let's just thank the Lord and let's say, God, we don't wanna go anywhere else. We just, we wanna be with you. God, we thank you for this time and we ask that you would, uh, Lord, just impress these things upon our hearts. Lord, the different lessons and awesome things that we can glean from. Lord, you, you have written so much about Peter because uh, there's things you want us to draw from his life. Lord, would we be encouraged? Would we be challenged? Would we learn and grow, Lord, from the, the work that you did in Peter? God, we ask that you would do that work in us. Change us, Lord. Uh, we know we mess up at times, too often. Lord, make us more like you. God, we desire that. And so, God, we worship you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.